everyone. If you are not aware, I'm, I'm assuming everyone's aware, but if you're not aware, uh, this morning our service is dedicated to welcoming in new members of uh, Reformed Baptist Church. Uh, I'm so excited. I look so forward to these uh, mornings, as, as I know all of you are uh, as well. Uh, and I look forward to being a part of welcoming in with you uh, some of them by way of baptism as well. So we're going to hear 12 testimonies. We'll witness four baptisms. But before we do that, um, I want us to turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. This might... Okay, good. Didn't creak. If you are a member of RBC or if you're a member of God's church, um, we, we expect you to be a part of this community. Uh, there are, it's a high calling to be a member of a church. We expect you to use your spiritual gifts to hold one another accountable, to in turn be accountable to the calling that you've received as a child of God. And what I want to look at in Ephesians 4 is why. Why do we do this? Why are we called together to formally join and, uh, and uh, become part of a community of God? Well, Ephesians 4 is going to give us the answer. Ephesians 4 is, is really one of the most thorough teachings in the Bible on community. What, what Pastor Don just read in Colossians is also another, uh, another passage that, that speaks of what life should be like here in the body. There's, there's so much to study in the book of Ephesians, but in the brief time that we have this morning, uh, I, I want to look at the primary question. The primary question we're going to answer today is, why do we need to be in community? Why do I need to be in community? Three reasons why we need to be in community. One, we are a family. We're going to look more uh, at what that means. Number two, the church needs you, and you need the church. And then the third reason is community is essential for maturity. So those are going to be the points that are going to drive our brief time this morning. Uh, but before we look at Ephesians 4, let's pray. God, I thank you for gathering us here this morning. Lord, I thank you again for those that are a part of this body, that are plugged in. Lord, I thank you for the guests that are here this morning. And uh, Father, uh, no matter what we do, whether we're singing or fellowshipping or witnessing the baptisms or hearing testimonies, uh, Lord, may we all be drawn to the grace that you've offered in the person and work of your Son, Jesus Christ. As we talk about community, Lord, may we, we, may we look at it with gratitude, uh, with thankful hearts as uh, we realize that you've given us the privilege. You've called us into this place called the church, the family, the body of Christ. May we, may we look at this text afresh with gratitude uh, for your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, reason number one. Why do I need community? Well, number one is we're a family. Ephesians 4.1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. Notice the word, therefore. So, th therefore, th this word is pointing us backwards. If you've read the book of Ephesians, you're well aware that chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians uh, has been summed up by the indicatives. It's what Jesus has done for me, what Jesus has done for us. And the chapters 4 through 6 have been classified as the imperatives of Ephesians. What should we now do because of what he has done? 
So Ephesians 1 through 3 speaks of how God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. We've been saved by grace, through faith, and not by works. This is the mystery of the gospel that Paul points to. The, the mystery of the gospel has been revealed. The barrier between Jew and Gentile has been eliminated, and it's been replaced by a new humanity, saved by grace, saved into the family of God, where there, like, as we heard this morning, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. All are in Christ. And then Paul gets to Ephesians chapter 4, and says, if all that I've been talking about is true of you, if you are rooted and grounded in Christ's love, if you comprehend and ascribe to these truths, then live your life in light of that. One of these truths, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul says this. He speaks this over the child of God. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. If you're a Christian this morning, you've been adopted into God's family. Paul further emphasizes this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So you're not merely saved from God's wrath because of your sin, but you are now adopted into a people whom God dearly loves. To be saved is to be an intricate part of this family. So why do I need to be in the community? Well, the answer is because the all-wise and knowing creator saw fit to join you to a spiritual family. He already views us as a community. Therefore, we should act like it. So what does this family look like? Well, Paul continues in verses 2 through 6. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope, and belongs, that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. Notice the repetition there. One body. We have one Father. We are a family. Reason number two. I need the church, and the church needs me. Look at Ephesians 4-7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So within this family of God, there is diversity. God has given each one of us a gift to use for the building up, the strengthening of the body. So if you're not involved in community, then you are missing out on those gifts. Look ahead to verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So God has even given the church different offices. For what purpose? Well, he says to equip the saints, to equip Christians for the work of ministry, to build up the church. So the job of a pastor is to equip you to serve. And yet every single one of us is in ministry. So my ministry as your pastor is to help you do your ministry. 
So the church passed, the church has pastors, but guess what? Your pastors need you just as much as you need your pastors. We, we need you as well if this church is going to function the way Christ intends it to. So every single one of us has been given a gift. No matter how unqualified or ungifted you feel, you are gifted. If you're a Christian, you have spiritual gifts because you have the Spirit and you are a gift. We need you and you need us. Reason number three, community is essential for maturity. Look at verses 13 through 16. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I love that. There's so much to unpack there. But the sum of the Christian walk is is growing. It's growing in maturity. Verse 13, Paul calls us to mature manhood, or another way to say that is to adulthood. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by, human, by cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. So we're, we are to move on from immaturity in the faith into manhood or into adulthood. We become an adult in the faith. Children must be taught as they grow, as they grow up, and so do believers. We, we enter into the Christian life as babies. We enter into the family of God, but then we grow through the word and we become disciple-making teachers. So what does maturity look like? Well, the better question is not what does maturity look like, but who? Who does maturity look like? The ultimate picture of maturity that we're all attaining to, Paul says, is Christ, to uh, the, the stature measured by Christ's fullness. The goal of each one of us within community is to become more and more and more like Jesus every day. Maturity is knowing Jesus more and becoming more like him. And this is why Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 is so needed. Rather, speak the truth in love. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from which the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. The, the phrase speaking the truth, it literally means in the Greek, truthing. Truthing in love. So we're going we're gonna to coin a new phrase here at RBC. I'm going to truth you in love. Okay? No laughing at that because we know what it means. Speaking the truth. I need you to truth me and I need to truth you. We need each other to point each other to the truth. And, and, and this is one of the reasons why the author of Hebrews tells us to not forsake meeting together as a community. 
when we meet, whether it's this Sunday gathering or care group or prayer meeting or just even organically doing hospitality, when we're gathering, we're gathering around the truth, and the truth unravels the lies that are fed to us on a day-by-day basis by the world and even by the flesh and by the devil. We're reminding ourselves of the gospel. We're truthing one another by our weekly assurance of pardon. He has forgiven us. He's called us to a life of holiness. He's called us to a life of worship. And we're reminding one another of the forgiveness we have in Christ and now our call to holiness. And notice the words in verse 16. When each part is working properly. So the growth of the church is dependent upon you and me working. Again, going back to using our spiritual gift, the the church can only be what it is. The the church can only be all that it's called to be when every one of us is working properly. So to mature, we, we need the church. We need each other. We need leaders and we need members. So if you're not intimately involved in this community, your growth is going to be incomplete. So again, to sum it all up, three reasons why we need community. As we see here in Ephesians, one, we're a family, right? God has called us into the family of God. I need the church, and the church needs me. And community is essential if we are to mature to the fullness of Christ. And let me just say this morning, if you are... If you're not a follower of Christ, then I urge you this morning to repent of your sins, trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross on your behalf for the forgiveness of your sin. Please know that this, this church family is, is not a group of perfect people. We are broken, rebellious people who have been saved by a perfect God. Call upon Christ and you will be saved. God will adopt you as his child. If you're not a member of Reformed Baptist Church, I want to encourage you to formally join this church. The the elders want to make sure that you are properly cared for and that you are constantly being truthed. Let me also remind you, we we need you. You are a gift. You have gifts. We need them in order for us all to be who God calls us to be as a community. And if you are a member of RBC, uh, for those who are intimately involved in the community and the life of this church, as Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not be weary. Let's not be weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. So I just want to, as, as your pastor, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for pouring into people. Thank you for sharing your life with people. And and at times it can be sacrificial, it can be difficult, but we can all attest to the fact that we know it will be worth it. So let's continue to exhort one another. Let's continue to be committed to the maturity of the members of this church as you are to yourself. The church is a visible representation of Jesus' reign, and so we are tasting heaven here on earth. When the world sees us, they should see a picture imperfect as that picture may be, but they should see a picture of Jesus. Let's continue pressing onward. Let's continue pressing on to fully know, fully become, and fully display Jesus for God's glory and our good. Amen.